Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of those people, if you're one of those people, if you're one of those people, thanks so much for coming back. But for everyone out there who's new to the show, welcome. Feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Cheers. (laughs) Give me a fucking water. Yeah. Sorry about that. I'm going to calm things down. A little out of control. But I am sitting here today with two... How many people are in your van? How many mere mortals are here right now? I have one I have one mere mortal here. Yeah. So, <laughs> fuck it. Bonnie and the mere mortals. Make some noise for the internet. There's, a, there's five of us in, in, in all, if you count me. What the fuck's up? How you doing? We're doing great. I mean, this this year's been a, a whole a whole ride, but we're we're doing our best to to keep going going with the flow and and keep up with the current. And uh, we've had some some good things happen. I mean, this is happening right now, yeah. which is great. We love this. Fantastic. So before we get lost in the sauce, which is inevitable, because I'm really good at just taking a conversation and just whoop, off the rails. Down. Let's talk about this new fucking music video <laughs> and tell me a bit about the band. Tell me a bit about the music video and then we can talk about Beanie Babies or whatever else you would like to. Sure. I'll try to be, you know, uh, concise. Tight. I'll do, I'll do I'll do my best. But Bonnie and the Mere Mortals, we mix Southern and Gothic together. So we have Southern Americana aspects to our stuff and we have you know, gothic, goth rock kind of aspects to our stuff. And we put those those two things together. Uh, we have one EP that we put out, I think it's over a year ago now, which mm-hmm. is pretty wild to me, uh, but COVID time doesn't exist. And then we've uh, been working on our new full-length album for, for a bit now. Uh, and this is our first single that we're putting out from that. So in this new landscape, we thought that it would be best to put out a video. We want to do something that is is meaningful for our fans and meaningful for us and something that we felt great about. And uh, one of our members is immunocompromised and things are a little weird right now. So we thought if we can't have everybody in the video. We should have nobody in the video. Okay. So from there, I sat there and, and thought about and we all talked about, well, how if if none of us are in it? How are we going to show who we are without showing who we are? So naturally, I hired a drag queen, and we went from there. And I'm really excited about the results. This I've I've made several music videos in the past before, but I've never been more proud than I am of this one. And and Scarlet Fairweather is just just a peach. I just I just love her. So yeah, the track is called Curses. It's over here. It's on YouTube.com. The website. I would click on this, but for some reason, my internet is being a son of a bitch right now. But if you're watching this, chances are you have a Facebook account and you could find Bonnie and the Mirror Mortals on Facebook right here. Their page looks like this. You're looking at it and just scroll on down and click that thing that says curses and listen to the goddamn song. Yeah, please, please listen to it. The internet is a pain in the ass and getting people to pay attention to anything these days Mm -hmm. is really, really hard. There's a Mm -hmm. lot going on. Are you kidding? There's there's a whole whole lot. Uh, It's hard to cut through the noise and I'm, I'm sure it's at least hard for me just being bombarded with so much media all the time. Um, But that being said, go watch my video. 
Yes. And <laughs> listen to us on Spotify. Yeah. That Ooh, helps yeah. a lot. Yeah. Look them up yeah. on Spotify and all of those places. Yeah. Please. Yeah. So I have seen y'all play before. As you mentioned, before we started recording, we have mm-hmm. a lot of mutual friends. Right. We've been around for a while. You know how it goes. We're trying to do this music thing still. Promoting Damn music it. is crazy, but just in general, doing music is crazy. The fact that we're even trying to do this in the chaos of everything else that's going on right now, what the fuck is wrong with us? So, Bonnie, first question. What the fuck is wrong with you? Uh, <laughs> uh, I have uh, horrible anxiety <laughs> uh, that is only alleviated by, uh, by creating things. Um, we have our own show that we've been doing for a while through quarantine called the Pittsburgh Creative Collective. And yeah, I want to do a bunch of nice altruistic things for the community, for sure. I would love to meet some other artists in the community. But mostly, if I'm not working all of the time, I will go insane. Totally. Um, I I need it. I will, if I don't have a job, if I'm not able to work, I, you know, I was out of, uh, I do tattoos and I couldn't do that for three months. I just gave myself other occupations. Like, I, I have to. <laughs> That's that's it. Yep. I think Dustin's pretty much the same way. Yeah, I'm I'm like the most obsessive producer person you'll ever meet and if if I'm not figuring out I can new vouch for that. drum samples and and effect chains and stuff, I am just not human. Totally, totally. So how is uh sleep for the two of you getting to sleep at night? I have a hard time getting to sleep at night because I, I'm just thinking constantly. I'm the queen of sleep, nice. but I, but I also work while i'm sleeping like i'll i'll have a new song in my head that's in a dream uh-huh. and i'll wake myself up to record like voice messages on my phone being like and and the next part's like <laughs> and i'm the one who interprets those and makes it into a song <laughs> so I'll, I'll come into the studio a couple of days later and be like hold on hold on don't listen to this like, and, and try to uh explain that to him but like even when i'm asleep i'm i'm trying to figure things out but i i love sleeping if i could have been asleep this whole year i would have i would have done it cool I hate sleep, but let's get positive. You two seem to have a positive working relationship together. How'd you two find each other Craigslist. in this crazy Craigslist. mixed up world? Yeah, Craigslist. Really? Yep. <laughs> wow. How long ago was that? A little over two years ago, really? I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what time is, but yeah. Yeah. I was just on Craigslist late one night, just thinking like, is there anything out there that isn't just the same old shit on Craigslist that you see all the time? And I saw Southern Gothic Project looking for members. And uh, the weird thing is I had had the idea for a Southern Gothic band years and years ago. And, you know, I, I thought nothing of it. I thought, oh, who's going to be interested in that? Sure. Um, and and the artists <laughs> that she's referencing are exactly the artists that I had been thinking about. And I listened to her demos and was like, yeah, of course, I have to see what this is about. That's super, super awesome. So, Dustin, what's your background in terms of music production? Like prior to meeting up with Bonnie and doing the Southern Gothic rock stuff, you mentioned producing mm-hmm. drum samples, and all this stuff like yeah. give me the cliff notes on your musical background. Um, so I've played in a lot of bands. I started out as a drummer. Um, and my dad was a musician, so I had a, I always had access to a home studio growing up. Um, and so I just eventually started writing my own songs and wanting to record them. And then with all the bands that I would play in, um, my place would sort of be the, you know, the demo studio, the rehearsal studio by default. Um, and so I just, 
just got more and more into it over time. And like, for me, I've always wanted to, to do every aspect of the music I listen to. I don't just want to be a, a songwriter or a guitar player. I want to learn how to make every sound that I'm hearing on the music I love. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And then Bonnie, you were playing in bands before this as well. I'm pretty sure that my old bands have played with your old bands at one point in time or another. Yeah, we'll have to go through that history tis, later. Tis Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. So what was the journey for you just getting into, you know, picking up an instrument and starting to play music? Um, I mean, I've been playing music my whole life. I, I started out on um, piano. I actually, my piano teacher was uh, uh, a I don't know what the term you're supposed to use now is little person, a man with dwarfism. Okay. Um, and I played that when I was like really young and I always joke to people that like he couldn't reach the pedals. So I never learned to use them. My immediate question, not to get off track, but like, <laughs> did you like play on a different scale piano or were they able to play on like a full scale piano? Oh, full scale piano. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So that, and, and, uh, eventually I moved from that, went to guitar. I've, I've sang as long as I can remember. I'm like, a lot of folks from the backwoods that I started singing and playing music in church. Um, but uh, I think I had I for my first musical project in, in like middle school or something doing like Blink-182 covers for yeah. spaghetti <laughs> dinners. Um, and I've always been interested in, in the songwriting aspect of things. I, I see myself as more of like a composer than anything else, but you know, it always comes back to the songwriting for me. But I also love putting on a, a crazy show. I like creating a character and 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 just having fun on stage. I mean, songwriting is definitely number one. But you know, love having big hair and 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 yelling at people from a stage. Who gets to do that? It's the best thing in the world. You know? Hell yeah. I know, you know, outside of the music thing, you also do art. You're Mm -hmm. doing tattoos. You mentioned it just a little bit ago. So was music or art, what came first? (sighs) To me, they're like two two crumbs of the same cookie. Okay. Cool. <laughs> like it's uh, it's just a different it's all the same ideas it's just how how you choose to express those ideas whether it's going to be music or visual art or dance or writing or whatever like they're just to me it's the difference between am i painting with oils or am i painting with acrylics the techniques are different but it's you know it's it's all just expression mm-hmm. you know now, uh, Dustin, do you have anything that you do outside of music that may be like art related or creative or are you mostly focused on production? Um, music's pretty much taken over my entire life. Um, I, <laughs> I teach music. House, I, yeah. I run sound at a church. I play in another band and I also have a solo project. So yeah, music has, has always been kind of the, the lens that I experience all art through. Like I have an interest in art. I took a lot of art history classes and, uh, some graphic design courses in college and stuff like that. But, um, I was never like good enough at any of those things to warrant spending the kind of time on it that I do with, with music. Gotcha. Now, when it comes to Bonnie and the mere mortals and the music that y'all make, I think that it's very apparent that this is coming from the place of like people that love a lot of different music, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool about it. Cause it's pulling these influences from a lot of weird niches that you normally don't here put together Mm -hmm. but as you had mentioned before like you know this makes sense why don't why aren't more people doing this yeah i'm really glad that you think that (laughs) so you know what was the the idea i guess since 
my assumption, since you found the Craigslist ad, Bonnie, was this something that you had put out onto Craigslist looking for people? So you had this idea for this project. Yeah. So I made maybe about five demos on on my own. I learned to get good enough at recording to make some, you know, okay demos to get the idea out there. And to me, like I, I want to make something that's very accessible to a lot of people but that is still uh, true to to what I love doing and to my influences. Like, I don't think that you have to get like super, super sub, sub, subculture in order to have an interesting idea. Like uh, anyone who knows me knows how much I love David Bowie. And I think that rather than having like a giant box of things that he used and, and maybe just brushing the surface in three and a half minutes of that box of creativity. What I feel like he did was use a very tiny box of things. He constrained himself within like pop music, but he used every inch of that box and did a lot of really interesting things. So that's what I'm inspired by to take. Like, I really love Americana and murder ballads and these, and these gritty stories, but I also really love Susie and the Banshees and the cure and, and, all of these washy tones and uh, sort of the poppiness of of their melodies and bass lines and stuff like that. And to me, they just it makes sense that they go together. I hear stuff like that already, but I wanted to do something like that. That is, yeah, it's weird. And, and hopefully people hear all of these different influences and stuff. But I wanted it to be accessible. I wanted it to be something that. Maybe you have to listen to four or five times to be like, oh, I didn't I didn't pick that up before. But that's definitely, you know, uh, that drum machine sounds a little Depeche Mode or something. Sure. Yeah. I think the question we're always asking in the studio is like, what does this song want to be? Yeah. Um, Because we we always write the song first. Uh, Usually Bonnie will come in with an idea. Um, Sometimes she'll just have lyrics and then I'll put chords to it. But like um, we always kind of start with the song and then. Uh, anything that the song might be suggesting, um, we'll just go and pull different pieces and parts from from our you know collective pantheon of influences. But we we always try not to like fall down a rabbit hole of of just you know sheer aesthetic appreciation for like one specific thing. We kind of want to tie it all back to um, does this serve the song? Totally. Yeah. I think that there's a really interesting thing with like we'll just call it like dark alternative music is like mm-hmm. a very blanket genre Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. where a lot of people that are into this type of music i think we feel like you know we're too good for pop music but at the same time it is pop music it is pop music and you know so many of the artists that you had mentioned like it doesn't seem like that was lost on you it seems like you know you're well more than willing to embrace like you know i loved pop music of the 80s you know the cure was pop Susie and the Banshees was pop. You know, we can look at this stuff now as like, oh, this was alternative and weird and different. It really wasn't. They play it at Michael's on their main. Yeah. You know, you can hear it at Walmart. (laughs) And it's so funny because there's a lot of people, I think, that get into doing this stuff in more modern times that Mm -hmm. don't they neglect that. And then their music suffers for it because they're trying to be so different and so weird. Mm -hmm. And it's like you're not you're missing the whole point. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that. Being weird for being weird's sake isn't useful. And I've uh, one of the things in switching from 
doing because I did metal before this and, and now I do this. But um, in switching to that and thinking about like what kind of music I'd like to make, I thought about really everyone I know uh, that you talk to music about and you talk to them about their their favorite songs of all time or the things that that really stick with them. And a lot of times it is pop music. You know, even if someone's really into super heavy bands, you and and they say, oh, I, one of my favorite songs of all time is this new Fit for an Autopsy song. Like, yeah, I love Fit for an Autopsy. That's great. But like if Fleetwood Mac or Hall & Oates or The Cure or something comes on, if Michael Jackson comes on, you're you're singing to it, you sure. know, mm-hmm. but you can't act like you're good, too good for for popular music, you know, mm-hmm. the 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 funny thing about, uh, you know, jumping from you know metal to doing something like this because i play in a metal band as well but Mm -hmm. i also have my more accessible things and i think that my reasoning for not being able to do metal all the times i think it's just like it's like exhausting for me (laughs) and i feel like it's exhausting for other people music is like a conversation between you and you know other people like you and the listener i suppose right and i don't know like personally if i want to be around somebody that like only wants to listen to metal all the time. I don't know if that's like a conversation <laughs> yeah. I want to have. Well, I it's think like, there's there's just strange thing. music for different experiences. Like I, yeah. I love old school punk, but I, I wouldn't, you know, I don't drive down the road just listening to that all the time. Like there's music you listen to in your car and then there's albums that you put on when you just want to experience that for what it mm-hmm. is. And, and so, yeah. Well, I don't think anyone's truly like that. I used to work with this like super tough guy, big beard, basketball shorts all year rounds, like beat down guy. And uh, we would listen to the cranberries together and just have like the most like wonderful little conversations. (laughs) Like we'd, we'd be listening to stuff like Bane and then, you know, put on the cranberries and he loves it, you know? Yeah. I think that there's, you know, another thing too, and maybe this is just me speaking, but maybe you can relate with this. I feel like, you know, as I've gotten older, because I'm not getting any younger. I start to find that like a lot of the music that I love, like, you know, metal and hardcore and old school punk, there's something that's like unquestionably adolescent about it. And like, if I want to continue to make music like that, like how do I do it? But like still feel like not like a young kid. You have because, to make, like, yeah. do metal. Uh, yeah. That's what, that's is that what, is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. You get older <laughs> and then you play do metal. Yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it because I, I like that youthful energy. Yeah. But like, I'm not that ma- angry anymore. Yeah. And also like that, like there's a big part of that, uh, that world that, I mean, like, you might know what I'm talking about just from like being not only in the music world, but in the tattoo world where there's like, there's just like these worlds attract people that never want to grow up, which is like kind of cool, but it's also kind of annoying at times. Yeah. Subculture and youth culture. Yeah. yeah very... It's like, it's such a weird thing. Yeah. And like being a part of it. And I could, you know, I imagine like maybe if I was in your position, I'd be like, I would love to contribute to something that's maybe just outside of this, just so I could feel like I'm contributing something that worth a little bit like that has a little bit more like, I don't know how to put this without sounding like a turd, but like something (laughs) that just has a little bit more like merit and value, like long term value. Yeah. Because there's a lot of like metal that feels like so temporary or hardcore that feels so temporary. Like it has a date on it for sure. Yeah. 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 I I really enjoy with with our stuff with um again with my old band, you we would look on our like 
Spotify, whatever stuff. And it'd be mostly teenagers. And and I love playing shows for teenagers because they get their parents' money and they get <laughs> really excited when they come to shows and they want you to like sign their shoes and stuff like that. And I and I love that. It's wonderful. But with this project, I think Spotify tells us that most of our fans are between like 25 and 41. And there's something about that that just makes me feel good. You <laughs> yeah, know, that's like nice more to- mature. It's nice to feel like you're like making music for like people in your demographic Mm -hmm. because there is something that is kind of weird. Like, you know, playing in punk bands and being like everybody in this room is 15, 20 years younger than me. And that's okay. But it could be weird on like a DIY level. You know what I mean? Like if you're still playing house shows and like you're in a basement and there's just a bunch of underage kids drinking and you're in your thirties and it's kind of like, why the fuck am I here? (laughs) (laughs) yeah um yeah it's 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 taxing it's a lot and you know what uh when you don't play metal you have smaller amplifiers um and your your back feels better (laughs) yeah sure you don't have to carry a full stack into uh, the altar bars closed what's open into a venue (laughs) (laughs) smiling moose go up the smiling moose's broken step (laughs) yeah you know um, it's, it's, it's nice to not have your ears ringing all the time and to play to people who aren't teenagers. Yeah, we only have so much hearing left. hmm <sighs> Yeah, me, me especially. So, on the other side of things, outside of the creative aspects of Bonnie and the Mere Mortals, we have mentioned Spotify demographics. Yeah. Let's talk business. <laughs> <laughs> How <laughs> are the two of you holding up? On the business end of things in 2020, social media marketing, promoting, all of those things. How do you feel about the state of things? I think that uh, problems, new problems often call for creative solutions. Mm. And while uh, this is a time when a lot of people are just throwing spaghetti at the wall and, and seeing what sticks, I... I'm I'm, I'm a bit more of an optimist and I would like to think that there's opportunity there because I mean, ever since Lars got angry, the, the, the music industry has been in an uproar and no real new gatekeepers have been put in place. There's no real rules right now. And and now we're sort of like almost in the wild West of the music industry, but you can look at, at that as, you know, there's chaos, but you can also look at, at it as, you know, there's opportunity. And I'm sure if we keep going with the Wild West metaphor, you know, because we're Southern Gothic, <laughs> um, there's, you know, some rich white guys that are coming and being like, I'm building a railroad or whatever. But also some of America's first millionaires were prostitutes who just figured stuff out. So I want to be like those prostitutes. Yeah, I kind of think what happens right now sort of happens every 10 years in the music industry where everything gets shaken up and no one knows what's going on anymore. And then whoever is able to master that and figure it out is is going to rule the industry for the next 10 years. And so I think we're we're sort of at a stage where we're trying to figure out like, how do we do live music? How do we connect with audiences and do something that isn't just another Facebook invite that people ignore 
Um, and so like with, with Pittsburgh Creative Collective, it's, it's really been amazing how we've managed to meet a lot of people mm-hmm. in the Pittsburgh area who we usually wouldn't meet just because Pittsburgh's very segregated. There's this scene and there's that scene and they're all in their own little like niches of the city. And, and, you know, we have musicians as well as painters and comedians and fire breathers, uh, talking to each other. And I mean, I think when, when you have a situation like that, people are going to work together and, and create new things they wouldn't have before. Um, so I, I think it's, it's kind of been a blessing in some ways. Yeah, it definitely, like, it definitely sucks, but like at the same time, there's so many, you can sit there and, and go, Oh, it sucks. 2020 is horrible. Or you can go about trying to find a creative solution for that and try to make an opportunity and honestly so many people are trying so many random things right now that even if you try something that like a couple of years from now you're like oh that was really dumb like everybody's doing that right now yeah that's what creativity is you have to have a problem to solve and i think it's given people a lot of problems to try to solve Mm -hmm. (laughs) i think that i i agree 110 percent with the outlook that both of you have on all this when it comes to social media i fully believe that we create our own hells Mm. And like, you know, it's mm-hmm. only as bad as you want it to be. You have full control over who you're friends with on there, who you're not friends with on there, what you post, how you decide to interact with it. And if you put out negativity, you're going to get it. Right. One thousand percent. Yeah. But if you work towards positive things and just do creative things and your brains just go and just do stuff. And I feel like if people are digging it, they're going to dig it. And if they don't, that's Okay. Yeah, at I least like for me, you, you know, sorry, mm-hmm. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 yeah, Rock I was and roll. You off. I was just going to say, I really like what you said about like posi- putting positivity out there because I feel like that's one of our like big platforms with what we try to do. And, and just mm-hmm. what I try to do in general is like <sighs> complaining on Facebook is, is never going to be original. Like just trying to put something positive out there and create opportunities for yourself and, and just put something nice for people to see on the internet. It doesn't have to be like fluffy or bullshit or something like that. Like it can be meaningful, but you know, I just, I'm, I'm over complaining about things or, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's this, you're not going to get anywhere. You know, I I feel like, you know, you can complain to a certain degree and you'll get a bunch of other complainers on your side. You can all complain together. (laughs) Yeah. Or Yeah. You can put that positivity out there and you can find people that are worth being around. I'd much I'd be I'd be so much happier in a small group of cool people than in a large group of terrible people. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Which I mean is funny, Kent, like most of our songs are sad songs, but like sad songs make me happy. Like I want to be positive about these murder ballads, you know? Yeah. So like how, you know, over the course of time have you reckoned with, you know, this like I may look dark and unapproachable, <laughs> but I am actually a very nice, caring human being. Um, I think <laughs> that it's actually the the most striking thing that I can do is to be aggressively polite. Even sure. when I was a teenager and I'm a little baby bat going around looking like a dumb mall goth. Um, if I go up to someone and they're expecting me to like, I don't know, just throw up on them or something (laughs) and and instead i'm i'm super super polite and thank you ma'am then that freaks people out more you know it's more striking to do that than 
anything else. And I sort of learned that at a at a young age. And honestly, most of the time, uh, like especially much older people, like I dress like an old Italian widow. <laughs> so <laughs> they, you know, old old ladies, little old ladies will come up and ask me about my eyeshadow or what hairspray I use or they'll come up and look at my rosaries or whatever. Like they they usually get it. I, I volunteered and well, I used to covid but um i go to a retirement home all the time and the nuns there love me because i don't i don't look (laughs) much different you know uh that that's it yeah with everything you know that has been going on uh post covid you mentioned that you know this uh video that you put out curses you said that was a single from an album, an upcoming album. Mm-hmm. Do you want to chat about this album at all? Is there any anything you could tell us about this? Uh, you called... still working on it? Or are you like sitting on it and waiting for a strategic release? Yes and no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes and no. Uh, I think we've uh, decided we're going we're gonna to make some important changes with it. But it's called Call of the Void. Uh, I think it's going to have nine. Something like that. Yeah, we're probably going to put out a couple more singles first. Um, We're being a little bit precious with it, but you only get to do your first LP once. Mm -hmm. So totally. Um, But I'm really proud of all of the songs. Uh, We have at least 16 songs that we could put on the album. Uh, And we're not, I mean, we're not Bob Dylan, but we are cutting out a lot of them just to curate, even though people don't really care about albums anymore. uh, We're a little bit old school in the way that we want it to have like a, a flow and we want each song to have a sort of a part in the, in the story and the feel and the vibe of it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but it's been really fun with Destin having such an, an incredible studio. We spend a lot of time just like jerking around, playing with theremins, um, making random noises and, and playing with a bunch of things. And it, it sort of makes me feel like when you, when you read about or watch documentaries about super old, like seventies and eighties classic rock albums where they could just experiment and go crazy. It's, it's sort of like a musician's playground at his house. Yeah. Yeah. We've been through quite a journey just trying to figure out, like, what is our sound? How do we want to express all this? Because, I mean, between us, we have so many different directions that we could go in. And I think we've kind of bounced around from, like, one extreme to the other at times just in the process. And then we've kind of taken a step back and been like, no, this this really isn't quite who we are. And so um, I think that's that's why it's taken so long. We've we've been working on the record for, I guess, over a year at this point. I guess so, yeah. Um, but yeah, we just we really want to make sure that it's it's something that we're proud of and um, that it's a, a cohesive unit where like you could listen to any song, any individual song off the record and it would sound like a single on its own. But the whole record um, as as a piece will also be something, you know, worth having cohesive. Yeah. Yeah. So we've gotten really experimental and then sort of reined it in a bit. But right now it's more about like, ooh, which drum machine's going to be the best? You yeah. Know? Which of the 10 reverb plugins <laughs> that I have do you I use want a to? lot of reverbs. <laughs> yeah. Got to figure out all those reverbs. Yep. Now, you know, that's the the blessing and the curse, I suppose, of self producing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, on my end, I've been, we're just, just finished, uh, this album for my my project normal creatures we've been mm-hmm. working on this for two years and it was very much like you know oh like 
let's change out the drum sounds on the entire record and you know let's (laughs) re-record all the bass let's re-record all the vocals now now the bass sounds kind of weird with those guitars let's redo the guitars let's do this i got let's make the bridge halftime here okay now the bass lines you know just like all that stuff because too with the way that we like write music is a little bit different because like since we don't have a live drummer, we're not really writing in a rehearsal situation. We're writing more same, like, yeah, we're in a same. song. Yeah. yeah same with yeah. us. So I think right now we've gotten uh, the best goddamn demos <laughs> you've ever heard. <laughs> and yeah. uh, we're, we're really going to crack down and we'll have it. We'll have everything recorded by the new year. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting because we kind of have to play the role of both the creator and editor at the same time when we're recording um i would i would love at some point you know for us to work with a producer where we can just go in for like six weeks at a time and just put down all kinds of stuff without any care in the world about whether it's going to (laughs) work and leave leave it up to them i mean i was sure i was just watching a video of um depeche mode recording uh songs of faith and devotion which was just a a nightmare of an album for them to record and <laughs> and flood the the producer he had the the tough job at the end of it of like figuring out how <laughs> how do we like take the the music of a of a heroin addict and an alcoholic and everybody just going completely off the rails and and make it into something um and so we're we're kind of having to do the role of all of that a little bit i mean minus the drug addictions and stuff but um <laughs> yeah it's mostly like i think we've more clearly define like our roles in the band too that like i end up being more of the like songwriter band leader sort of thing and and he ends up being like the producer that that does all of the the stuff that makes this side of it work Mm -hmm. you know yeah and so i've i found with myself i because i know that i'm gonna have to mix it later (laughs) it can force me to be a little bit more conservative than i would like in what i'm actually putting down and I've I've tried to really separate those two processes where I I don't so much worry about what I'm going to do with it later. If I want to record, you know, 16 tracks of guitars or something, I'll try it and then I'll wait like a week and come back to it and and then figure out if it's if it's something that's that's usable. But I'm I'm trying not to to limit myself from just going for it and taking risks. Mm-hmm. But I it's it's that, hard. Yeah, there there's so many different things with me and recording now i try to basically like mix as we're going and just keep certain things in mind if i'm using a certain synth or a certain guitar tone or something like oh like i know what this is going to sound like in the mix so like Mm -hmm. let's compensate and do this now because i know what's going to happen later right but you can't that's not always 100 accurate not always more like yeah 40% 40% accurate, but it's still like trying to plan ahead. And also taking those breaks away from mixes is probably the most important That's thing key. to do. Yeah, it's, really it's helped us out a lot. Yeah, you just got to like not open that fucking thing up for a couple days and then go back to it. And like, oh, yeah. And it's usually better than you remember it being like I, if I get too burned out, I just I don't even want to finish it. Mm-hmm. I feel but. like it's like in, in visual art, uh, something that that artists do it's like say i'm working on a portrait or something and i'm working on it forever 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 your eyes get so used to what's going on that you can no longer see any of the mistakes that you've made so to see those you can put the photo in a mirror like put your put your drawing in a mirror and then somehow it resets your brain and you're like oh god that looks horrible and and that helps. I wish there were a way to do I guess well, the only way is taking time away. Actually but- what I do sometimes is I I 
turn up the volume on my monitors and I walk outside of my house and I walk down the street and I just listen to the music blasting out of my house. <laughs> and I try to like distance myself from it completely and just imagine I'm I'm a you know, completely random person who's never heard this before. <laughs> what are my immediate thoughts? <laughs> that person's listening to music really loud. <laughs> oh, my neighbors hate me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. So, you know, whenever you were starting the the project, Bonnie, mm -hmm. was um, drum machine always a thought or what did that just kind of happen after an afterthought? No, I really, I really wanted that. Um, my first inkling for this project was listening to the Depeche Mode album Exciter, which is missing one of the members. And a lot of people don't like that album because they said, oh, it doesn't sound full enough or whatever. But I really enjoy the space in it. And the first track on that album has this like rad, really raw um, acoustic guitar part in it that's like very gritty. And I thought to myself, why isn't there just a band of this? And then I would be listening to, you know, Americana music or really old country music and been like, man, a drum machine and like some cool droney synths would sound awesome in here. And I just developed that idea over time. Um, we have been incorporating more actual drum kits, but processing them like running a drum kit through a ton of reverb or some like modulation, some different things like that. Um, but uh, Destin has sort of like dragged me kicking and screaming to to that place. And I love it now. But I from the very beginning really wanted to do something different with the percussion with it. So it wouldn't just sound like a rock band and it could be because my last band, I had like eight drummers. So maybe I'm just done with drummers. I don't, you know? Uh, yeah. We've been kind of doing an interesting technique where we, we start with electronic drums as, as the core of the sound. And then I, I started out as a drummer. So I, I always kind of crave hearing that, that air moving in the room a little bit. And so I, I've been overdubbing like this big, 28 inch marching kick and like, you know, brushes on a snare and just, just like acoustic textures that aren't so much rhythmic, but they just kind of give some, some air and, and space, uh, that, that sort of form a halo around the electronics. And mm -hmm. I, I think it's, it's kind of something cool that we've landed on. No, I think that that's a good way to blend it because in my experience, um, I'm in the same boat while I'm not using, I'm not doing the same style of music that you're doing at all there's a lot of similar techniques where I'm blending a lot of like electronic drums with acoustic drums and electronic instruments with organic string instruments and like getting all of those things to mix together can mm -hmm. actually be pretty challenging in a mix because yeah, you're really, definitely. it's, you know, you're, you know, that's oil and water or whatever, you know, ranch dressing and ice cream. These things like should not go together, yeah. but you can find some way to make it, you know, taste good. Yeah. <laughs> I think we found the key is, is leaving space. Yeah. Um, you know, and finding the right reverb. It, yeah, that's that's huge. Um, <laughs> I've been through like several different eras of reverb on on our record, and and really, I'm just using all of the above. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, less is always more in a mix. That's another thing for me. Whenever I'm having an issue with a mix, I always try to ask myself like, what? It's not so much what does this need, but like what needs to go away. What doesn't this yeah. need? Yeah, like yeah, like, what is what what? Yeah, there's probably too much going on. Kill your darlings. That's the other thing too. I think you know the 
the the endless track DAW scenario where you could just keep on yep. adding stuff. Oh, just one more thing, one more layer of this, one more layer of that. There's mm-hmm. only so much space in the stereo field, bro. Yeah. What we've been trying to do is is like set aside all of the sounds and textures that we want to use on the record. And like I've I've just been spending the last two weeks setting all that up, building sample libraries, building kits and stuff so that uh like when we get back to working on the record in a couple weeks. This is our box. Yeah, we know exactly what our box is. We know what tools are in that toolbox. Um, so we don't have to spend hours searching around for them. And then, you know, at the end of that time, we've added like five other things just because it's like, oh, this this sounds cool. What if we added this? Oh, wait, what about that? This also sounds cool. Yeah, it yeah. ends up being like that that coffee scene and mod scout on the Hudson, you know, <laughs> just you're overwhelmed with too many choices of things. And and there are people out there making beautiful music with nothing more than a delay pedal in their voice, you know, and we're yeah. trying to figure out which of these 12 reverbs, you know. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think we're finally getting there. I think that's what the whole process has been about so far is like ruling things in and out. And now now I feel pretty confident that we kind of have everything we need. And then um, we're, we're both taking uh, some time off of work to just like finish it just just yeah. go in do marathon sessions get totally focused and just do it that's awesome i really yeah. look forward to hearing it i Me really too. really do yeah, i'm, I'm <laughs> so, really excited um i don't want to like you know get depressing and start talking about live shows because it is you know 2020 and it's not really a thing right but i am curious about the live show experience that you have had given your setup and maybe oh. discussing some of the hurdles you know of mm. being in a band that doesn't have a drummer and trying to do this thing with organic instruments and translating it to a live environment how's it been well i mean he could tell you more of the technical side of that but i mean the whole point with our music is to have this dichotomy between analog and digital so getting those to work together in a live setting uh isn't always perfect but there are some things about it that have made it way easier. The fact that we don't have to carry a huge drum set in. The fact that we don't have to be really loud because we're compensating for an acoustic drum kit. So it's usually a lot easier to get a really nice mix in a room because it doesn't. everything doesn't have to be up here. You can hear more mm-hmm. space. You can, you know. Um, and also with our music, uh, like I said, I'm all about the songwriting. I'm all about the stories and those basic melodies. So at its core, like I've played shows for mere mortals that were just me. I was at a festival once and there was this, uh, ensemble of like, there's like a banjo player, a fiddle player and, and, and something else. And they had just played a set. And I was like, Hey guys, I have some chords. You want to just jump in on this and ended up playing a set that way. I've played sets by myself. I've played tons of sets, just me and Destin. Mm-hmm. Um, before we had our two newest members, um, our now keyboardist was playing upright bass and we did a lot of stuff as like a jazz trio. So I think the thing that's nice about our music or about our songs is that they can translate into a bunch of different ways. And I think the people who, you know, have become fans of us enjoy that every time they see us, we're sort of curating what that show is going to be based upon the space. So, you know, if we're playing at Gooskies, it's going to be a different thing than we're playing uh, Deutschtown Festival is going to be a different thing than if we're playing on the street or, you know, in a, in a quiet bar or. Yeah. Yeah. Our music's definitely scalable to the setting. Uh, when we, when we first started playing live, we were 
basically trying to recreate what we did on the EP. So we had tracks and in-ears and, you know, anything that wasn't on stage was in the tracks. And uh, it was it was just always frustrating being locked into the same arrangement every time. You feel like you're karaoke to yourself. It's, sure. it's Yeah. So we've just been kind of allowing ourselves to play it a little different every single show. And so sometimes we take on a little bit more of like a folk ensemble or a mm-hmm. jazz ensemble feel. Sometimes it's much more electronic. It kind of depends where we are. And I think we we sort of feed off the energy of the venue and, and the audience. And that kind of defines what the show is going to be. Yeah, we've had ones where we're much more almost like a rock band. And then we just did a live stream show that from uh, not the one we just did, but for as the crow flies fest where Destin was playing um, synth parts and guitar at the same time. And then the one that we just did um, was just three of us. And instead of having our percussionist there, we had just a drum machine playing pre-made, you know, like Casio beats and and just like went in with that. And it was awesome. I really loved that arrangement Mm. of it, you know? I think that's really, really cool and very, very smart. Mm-hmm. To be able and willing to kind of like drop the, not necessarily the ego of the project, but like the, whatever you think the project is supposed to be, you know, from that like mm-hmm. EP, however it was. And it's like, fuck it, you know, we can make compromises and we can shift and adjust to allow ourselves to be a part of each sort of setting that we're in because it's like your entertainment, right? You know, yeah. you're, you're, you're the, the, I don't want to say the hired guns because how much money are we making right now? <laughs> but you get what I mean. And like yeah. your job is to entertain the crowd. So yeah. if you find yourself in an environment that maybe is more suited to like a jazz trio room or a rock room, you can kind of turn things down or up accordingly and just fuck it. They're still the same songs. Well, also yeah. more than that, if you play the same song a hundred times, you're going to get bored of it. And, and we found ways to like really keep it super exciting. Oh, we're going to do it this way this time. Um, especially like Tennessee off of our Tennessee EP, you know, there was a while where we were just so sick of practicing that song. And then we play it in a bunch of different ways. It it makes it fresh. It's a whole new thing. We really enjoy it. And I also really take to heart, uh, I think saw an interview with Dave Grohl once where he was saying like the mark of a good song is that you could take it to any genre and it sounds, and it sounds good. Mm -hmm. So I sort of, really try to do that with my songwriting that like you could take the song, you take these basic chords and and you can throw it, you can make it as loud or as quiet or with any instruments you want. And if it's still a good song, then it's a good song, you know? Totally. So that to me is just like, I want to stretch, I want to stretch my songs and see what, what all are they capable of? You Mm -hmm. know, with the, you know, material, obviously, you're doing this all yourselves, so there's a whole lot you got to take care of. Are you planning on any other videos, any other extracurricular activities around this album? Yeah, we'd like to do at least one more video. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're trying to come up with with some more stuff to just keep things interesting. Yeah, we've kind of talked about after this record, we'd love to do a project where we like send our music to a bunch of people to remix. Oh, cool. Um, and then we'd also love to do like a, a sort of live in studio album or maybe just performance or something where we could invite a lot of musicians who we might not ordinarily play with. Like just like some great pickers, some trumpet players, some some weird stuff and have them sit in on like a studio session. See how they interpret the song. Yeah. 
So, and then like, like you said, like to take the songs we already have and just, you know, send, send the album to a, a, a bunch of great DJs or electronic musicians and say like, Hey, have fun with this, pick a song, do something cool. You know? Yeah. That'd be like those two avenues would be really interesting because on one flip you could really like highlight the electronic elements of the project and Mm -hmm. have somebody like push that to 10 or you can like you know get a bunch of banjo and fiddle players and stuff and like push it in the other direction yeah yeah just like see how it goes yeah i'd love to do both of those and then sell them as one thing yeah (laughs) and see you know and just have it have it be wild i think too we were talking earlier about like you know goth folks not wanting to be seen as like pop or Mm. like you you have an idea of like this this is goth and if you're not this like fuck you you're not goth um i can i say that yeah okay you can say whatever you want (laughs) um but (laughs) you know uh, the original people who called them who don't want to be called goth uh the thing that made them interesting was that they were all experimental they're all trying different things they were being silly and playing with tambourines and you know hanging out with kitty cats yeah (laughs) you know just doing a like it's not all just like low ian curtis vocals and and just the same droning goth rock stuff they would break from that and just do stuff that was fun for them to do so it's interesting how like you know that particular culture has like romanticized and idolized like all of the like the specific darkness of it you know yeah it's a little, I mean, I guess I, I've been there, you know, yeah. I, 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 I remember what I looked like when I was 15 for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, I don't know why there's like, there's just sometimes people that, you know, they have a hard time getting the, like the humor in things, right. but it's been pretty cool. Cause like I started up a, a new kind of like, uh, it's like a dark wave synth pop project with a friend Sick. of mine. Nice. I want to hear about that um, later. Yeah. And we started releasing stuff a couple months ago. And we're like kind of goofballs. And I was like kind of concerned because like the music's not goofy, but ourselves like we're just dorks. You know what I mean? And like, but everybody's actually been surprisingly pretty cool to us. And like people have been like really welcoming of us in the community, a lot more Mm. welcoming than the heavy metal community has been to me in a lot of ways and how the hip hop community has been to me (laughs) in other ways. You know, it's it's nice. It's refreshing. Mm -hmm. Nothing against any of those communities. There's I've just met less rude people but it's only been a couple months so we'll see how it <laughs> goes come around. that's really yeah. cool yeah, <laughs> yeah come around you know outside of bonnie and the mere mortals there's you know destin you mentioned that you're playing in other bands and you have the other things that you're doing mm-hmm. bonnie are you at your like limit right now with music creativity or is there anything else beyond this that you might want to do one day uh i mean i i this um music music wise like i would love to have a a doom band just for funsies um but i am am this i funnel all my extra energy that i'm not spending doing drawings for people doing tattoos in into this yeah this is my my thing cool yeah i think that it's good to have that that focus and wearing too many hats ends up looking silly and yeah. I, I am definitely like so fucking guilty of just doing way, yeah. way, yeah, way, well, way we, too much. I guess we have this, we have the Pittsburgh creative collective and then, mm-hmm. you know, tattooing in and of itself is just, is, is like, it's my own business, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's three hats, 
I have plenty of, I have a lot of hats. With the, with the Pittsburgh Creative Collective, can you tell me just a little bit more about like, like specifically what that is? Cause you've mentioned it a few times and I have like a vague idea, oh, but specifically yeah, what it is and like specifically where people can find more about that. Sure. You can go to uh, pittsburghcreativecollective.com. Wow. Um, website. A website. Yep. Uh, <laughs> we put this together as a way for creatives of all types in Pittsburgh to come together to be able to collaborate. Um, also during quarantine, while people didn't have jobs to just make a database and, and now to, to create a database of Pittsburgh creators to either collaborate or if someone has excess income and, and they would like to support people, there's a list of people who need support and how you can support them. Uh, and then we've also created a variety show, uh, which Destin just upped our game massively for our last episode, but basically it's, um, I don't know. It's like mystery science theater 3000 yeah. a little bit. It's a little bit Wayne's world and it's a little bit like <laughs> just like a visual podcast. We all sit together and, and talk and watch videos from specifically Pittsburgh creators that have made a video for us to show in their homes quarantined properly. Mm-hmm. And, and we have some commentary on it and have some guests and, and Destin just did a bunch of stuff to make it. Yeah, it started out, we were just doing uh, Zoom calls because, you know, the, like we, I think we did this maybe the second week of the lockdown or something. We were mm-hmm. just like, you know, what what can we do? We know so many people who are just going stir crazy and we were too. So we started a website and then um, we were at first going to have a show at my house, but then we realized, you know. Lockdown, lockdown happened. Yeah. So we, we started doing Zoom calls, um, which, you know, it's Zoom. Um, we've all seen enough of that. And, uh, but we, we would have just everybody shoot videos in, in their bedroom. And, um, it was, you know, we, we got a lot of submissions and little by little, we've just started growing it to where now we have kind of a, almost like a talk show format, um, in my living room. And then we have in my studio, we're doing, uh, live performances and eventually, you know, we're going to have whole bands and, and do like virtual concerts and stuff. Super fun. Hell yeah. Pittsburgh creative collective dot calm yeah mm-hmm. neat yeah good for you we're hoping so you know if nothing else we've like like dustin said we've uh made friends with some awesome comedians and fire breathers and uh lots of great hip-hop artists um just a ton of great musicians visual artists you know people we'd never talked to before and some of those people i'd like to collaborate with in the future you know yeah because of this like a lot of those folks they're they're online only you know they're not going to shows they're not um going to like art exhibitions and stuff and so um i find that the online art communities are are not always very geographic you don't really know what's happening in pittsburgh because when you put your stuff out online it's it's you know you're competing with the world right and so we've always seen the need for like an online community that's that's uh central to pittsburgh um and so i i think that's what we're we're starting to see is like people are coming out of the woodwork um, and we would have never met a lot of these people if it hadn't been for this. Yeah. And a lot of people have started collaborating with each other too. Yeah. You know, bands talking to these visual artists about creating art or the comedian that we had, had a good connection with a fire breather that we had, you know? So, um, it's been, it's been interesting if nothing else, like I'm, I'm getting something creatively and spiritually out of it. I haven't mm-hmm. made any money, but you know, we do donations for charity anyways. So yeah. it's not our goal. No, I think it's awesome to find a way to remain connected with the community 
in the midst of everything that's going on right now Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I think that that's always been the most valuable thing to me about playing shows is actually making friends, Mm. building connections, and just like being around other cool people. I feel like the whole reason I even started doing music and playing shows was because I wanted to meet other people that were as weird as me. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, there's yeah. there's just something like refreshing about seeing other people who are, you know, struggling the same way you're struggling. I mean, a lot of people are dealing with the same shit. And like the, the past episode we we had, we sort of themed it around mental health. And so at the start of the episode, we just kind of did a health check. Like, you know, how are you doing? And specifically as a creative person, how are you doing? Um, and I think that's something that just happened implicitly at shows for, for years. Um, you felt part of a community and like all of a sudden when that's taken away, you notice it's missing and you never really realized that that was there, that that's actually a big part of, of mm-hmm. just keeping ourselves healthy. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? I'm okay. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Yeah. I mean, in a, I'm in a, a convenient space where I have this podcast, which is, you know, not too dissimilar from what the two of you are doing. Mm-hmm. And it's all about meeting people, connecting the dots. And for a long time, I used to say this was like weekly therapy sessions for me, because mm. I think as an artist, it's really easy to get in your own head and feel like your problems are incredibly unique. But yeah. you talk to a couple hundred other people in the city that are all doing the same thing as you and going through the same things. And it's like, oh, okay. Like, this is just about being human. I'm not some troubled artist. I'm just a person trying to get through life. Yeah, exactly. And nobody's that particularly yeah. unique. I don't mean that in a way to like be like negative towards anybody. It's kind of like a positive for me. It's like, okay, this is just part of being alive you have to learn to understand and deal with these problems from day to day and find ways to battle those things. You know, mm-hmm. like you said, you know, being creative or is about like solving a problem, right? Yeah. Right. So it's like solving the problem of life. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's music, you know? And I think, I feel like in, in most ways, everybody's kind of a lot more creative than they give themselves credit for all the time. I like think oh, yeah. people are- aren't creatives. Like everybody's, I think those people are too uh, judgmental uh, on themselves because no one, I mean, some people do start out more naturally gifted at at something, but when you start out doing something, you're not good, but you like doing it and, and you're not judging yourself to the point where you stop doing it and then you get good at something. But how many times do you hear someone say, oh, I could never draw or, oh, I could never play an instrument. I could draw a really good (laughs) stick figure. I'm not musical, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, not yeah. with that attitude. Yeah, it's like yeah. neither neither are babies, but like uh-huh. eventually you start working on something and 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 doing that. And I think as as an artist, as a musician, we're all just you you have to be willing to make a fool of yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm. You have to be to participate, you have to participate in the joke, you yeah. know, that is performing, that is getting yeah. up there I, and doing that. I have found that like it seems really simple, but it's actually like I think it's kind of hard for a lot of people to to do that though, to mm-hmm. be able to accept any sort of a defeat or any, accept any sort of a failure. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like yeah. similar to, um, for a long time, I always used to ask myself like, why are people assholes? It's actually so, it's so much work to be an asshole. It's just easier to be nice. <laughs> but actually nowadays, I think it's a lot easier to be an asshole because being nice requires like empathy and understanding of other people and being willing to tell yourself that, Oh, maybe I'm wrong. And this person's right. <laughs> yeah. And that's not easy to do. Yeah. So I kind of start to understand why some people can just be like incredibly rude. It's, it's just like a, 
because they can't handle the idea of being wrong. I mean, plenty yeah. of them are musicians too. Oh though. yeah. You've noticed. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I think there's, there's a mindset where you think that if you fail at something once, it means you're a failure forever. And that just defines who you are. And I think anyone who's successful at something has just gotten really good at failing oh, and they sure. figured out every way that they can possibly fail at something. And now they've just narrowed down the few ways that they can actually succeed at something. And so, right. um, like I, I'm a, a music teacher by day and that's something I always try to tell my students is like, in order to get good, you have to fail and you have to be comfortable with failure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that it's like, you know, do you, if you, if you like, back into a curb do you stop driving if you scuff your shoes do you stop wearing shoes do you know yeah you know, i don't know these are those are dumb examples but mm-hmm. okay, i think I like think, yeah. it's but the, well, those things happen it's like ah big deal i kind of it's a little thing but sometimes a personal failure feels like so much more than just like a scuffed shoe or a bumped curb it feels like you've like amputated yourself in some way yeah well and it's it's not something that society has really set us up to know how to deal with i mean just the nature of of most education is such that you're kind of taught that if you if you do something this way this is the right way and you'll succeed if you do it any other way you're wrong and you won't succeed yeah and so i i think it's something that uh that many people have not really experienced before there's not a blueprint for how to be successful at being creative mm-hmm. That's i agree. certainly true so with all of that being said as this train comes back around to the station we have had our talk we could probably talk a lot more i'm sure once i hit stop we're probably going to talk for quite a bit but it's been about an hour and we care about our friends and family and i think that they've all listened to us plenty well long enough for the day i wish all of our friends and family out there today a happy and healthy day take care of yourselves and the people around you but before we go Say your piece and let people know where they can find you on the internet. Oh, sure. So again, um, I mean, I'm, if you've made it here, you know that we're Bonnie and the Mere Mortals. And you can find us on the Facebooks and also the Instagrams at Bonnie and the Mere Mortals. Uh, please follow us on Spotify and please check out our new music video for Curses. And I think those are the, mm-hmm. those are the main things that we do. Super, super cool. I appreciate you both for coming on. I I had a great time. Nice to meet you both officially. (laughs) And with all that being said, I'm going to do my outro. Okie dokie. Okie dokie. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for being here. One more time. Bonnie, Destin, Bonnie, and the mere mortals. That's yay. I'll be back again in a couple days with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2020. Woo, woo. Thanks for listening. And we're done. That's a podcast. Yay. Fade that out. Nice. And we did it.